Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. Um, I just sent my son off to Israel. We'll see how that works in the Mary Shiva. So uh, now the house is empty. And let us talk about the Torah today, which is being sponsored by uh, the Eisenstadt's second time, I think. Abigail and Akiva Eisenstadt, uh, who are very nice people by, by, by the communications. And I remember he's connected with the community called Manhattan Beach. Which I think, as I said before, my nephew once attended. The one who's now in the medical school. Um, so today's um, uh, podcast is being sponsored by Abigail and Akiba Eisenstadt and their company, which is AE Design Group. And let me see here. It's in loving memory of the grandparents of Menachem Tzvi Eisenstadt, Menachem Tzvi, in other words, Ben Yechiel Yitzchak. And his wife, Miriam Rezobas, Yosin Nehemia. I can tell Yosin Nehemia, that's a cornister, right? Rebbe Lezer and Mrs. Schreiber. Rebbe Zaron, Arya, and Mrs. Ida Hilzenrad. I remember them from the Baltimore. And Rebbe Shimon and Mrs. Chana Reich. Reich. So all in the Shama Shavalia. And uh, uh, appreciate the sponsorship and the sentiments that go along with it. Um, very nice people. We're dealing here today, of course, with the Haftarah 8, which is one of those uh, goody-goody ones, the Shiv de Nechemta, in which you selectively pick from the book of Isaiah the, 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 the positive parts, and you kind of skip for the negative parts. Um, Yeshayel, of course, the first half has a lot of muster and negativity, and predictions of disaster, which, of course, came true with the Assyrian invasion. Uh, I've, made, I've made the point before, and I'll make it again. When we pick... Uh, Prophecies of Nechama from Yeshayahu. It's a little bit funny because he lived long before the Churban by Rishon, about a century or more. So when he's saying things will get better, it's always like at several levels. Uh, plain Pasha, Pasha shot. he doesn't have to be talking about the future, the distant future. He's talking about his time because he lived through the Assyrian invasion in which the country was devastated and everybody was killed except a few survivors in Jerusalem. So like a mini Holocaust in those days. I talked about this in the past, not in the recent past. And now he's saying, don't worry, things will get better. Or alternatively, he can be talking about Klai Yisrael Mashiach time. Or alternatively, he can talk about the existential Jewish situation all the time. That works. All three of them work. That's the power of Nebuah. It's multivalent, you understand? You can't simply, you don't have to simply say, it's talking about this specific sort of thing. He's talking about that, but it's also talking about other things as well. And so when he describes the Jewish people, you know, they just pick up in the middle. I always say, start the chapter, just pick up in the middle. Ania, Sora, Lonukama. He's talking about the Jewish people, Ania, you know, from Oni, right? Afflicted one. Sora, oh, interesting word. Sora from the Russian Sire Basufa, you know, is a storm. It's a storm tossed boat. 
Now, many people make the mistake. They think Aniya Sora is with an all. So it's a, no, Aniya Kama Sora and, uh, and the other one, Luna Kama. So uh, the Jewish people are described as a punch drunk, um, rolling like a ship, perhaps, uh, stormy, or maybe having no manucha, and they're being, being subject to, to mental stress of extraordinary type. Uh, you know, Rashi, the classing of Harsham, like, learn it that way. It's interesting. What is the storm? Rashi says, Sora shaliba The Jewish, the heart of the Jewish people is always stormy because of all the tsars, all the anti-Semitism and the persecutions. So in other words, to be Jewish and to stay Jewish, you never have a normal history. Other people's every once in a while comes something bad. But then it's a normal, regular time. The cholesterol usually, you know, if we're having good times now in this country, other people say, well, how long? Ad Masai. See? Till the next Zah. Or if the state of Israel has been around, yeah, but what about tomorrow? What about the day after? Liba Sora Verubisars. So the Jewish people have a permanent condition of being ill at ease. This is who we are. There's a plus to that and a minus to that. The plus to that is it keeps you on your toes. That's why the Jewish people always have been mentally agile. The minus of this is it wears you down. And uh, even, what's it called? The red dock here. Ania Sora Basaris Agolus. Right? In the storm of the Gauls. Meaning the persecutions. You get it? The persecutions. And uh, there are other ways of translating. I mean, I see a lot of different forms over here. But those are the ones that recommend themselves. And... Um, that's how the prophet Isaiah is talking about the Jewish people, Kali Yisrael. As I said before, they have no menucha. Lo nuchama, they don't nuchama. Does that only come at the very end? That's what he's saying. And he promises, but you never know, he promises in the immediate future or the distant future, a glorious future, which is designed in 47th Street. Right? I will set your stones in fancy colors and lay the floors with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of carbuncles, your walls of precious gems. It's like a fantasy of the jeweler of the 47th Street. The whole house, the base of Mikdash, Yushalayim, whatever you want to say. Like we say today, I'll build you a house pure, the whole house will be diamonds. That's like a, you know, an extraordinary, uh, glorious vision of the future. It's a funny vision. Uh, but, you know, it's, how do you top that? And he said, well, I'll make you a house of gold. Oh, I'll do you one better. I'll make you a house of diamonds, sapphires, rubies, and so forth. Um, that's where you live. Now, what he's saying, of course, is, and this is why we read it during these weeks of the Shibbat and Nechemta, the seven Haftorahs of Nechama, the, the times will be better one day. And what he's saying is, now you're storm-tossed and you're... Uh, Lo nuchama, have no comfort. You're depressed. You're uh, what's the right word? Neurotic. That's basically what he's saying. Ania sora lo nuchama. The Jewish people are neurotic. We are neurotic because of the you know. How's the expression go? You know, if everybody's out to kill you, then you're not paranoid. Get it? <laughs> paranoid means you you imagine they're out to kill you. If they're out to kill you, then it's not paranoid. They're neurotic. After what we've been through, how does a a, a, a people become not neurotic? So he said, one day things will be different. One day will be glorious future. The houses of all of Israel will be diamonds. 
And what's even better than that is your kids will be from. <laughs> this, at the end of the day, this is really what the diamond is, right? I mean, we all want rich houses. But more than that, you want, you know, you want, I think I'm right about this. You want children, grandchildren, and so on and so forth, who, number one, are from Limudi Hashem, and number two, they have peace and prosperity. They shouldn't be killed. And so, this was the antithesis of what the situation was at the time when the prophet Isaiah was pronouncing this. Instead of houses being built of diamonds, the Ashur, the Assyrians, and the others had devastated the country, destroyed stuff right and left. Who knows what Corbin they did? That's why we have no records from the old days. Destroyed the various invasions, in no houses, and the Benayich were not Limudi Hashem. And it was not Rav Shalom Benayich. The kids had it rough, and they weren't too front, and they were certainly living through a terrible Mulchama. So you can tell what the times were like, because the prophecy, the glorious prophecy of the future, prophesies a glorious antithesis of the present. Do you get it? See, Shia lives through some tough, tough times, but he goes on to say, don't worry, it'll all work out great. The language is extreme, but extreme positive. This is why we read it in the month of Av. Bitzdaka Tukononi, you'll be established in Tzedakah. Which, you know, a lot of these verses are not so simple to translate. And I mean that in a good way, because they're, like they say, a multivale. There are many different ways of doing it. Bitzdaka Tukononi means that you'll be established in righteousness. Because you won't have the same crooks in charge of Jewish community like you got now. That's what he's saying. You won't have all these uh, embezzlers and you know phonies that they look from in the front, but behind the scenes, they're doing this, that, and the other. Bitzdaka Tukononi. The future will be established with people who are righteous. Or you could give a Hasidic interpretation and say, Bitzdaka Tukononi. I could certainly see it as a Rebbe would say, you know, in a classic Hasidic saver, the establishment of the future of Israel will be based on charity, on money, on tzedakah. Look what he says. Stay away from oppression and stay away from ruin. I told you, the people in charge at that time were crooks. Many people in positions of Jewish power today are crooks. We all know that. And so the glorious future says it won't be like that. It'll be tzedakah, meaning righteousness. As we would say today, yashras. That's the import of what the problem Now it's sad <laughs> that is to say, one day there'll be Yashras. That, what does that imply? Until you get to Messianic era, don't hope for it. Uh, you know, that's not wrong. I'm sorry to say. I wish it weren't the case. And of course there's exceptions, obviously. But there are also non-exceptions as well. Right? And then he says like this, and this is to me very interesting. Uh, don't have to worry about oppression. This Pusik, verse 15, is very hard. And there are about 50 translations. And it's one of those Hebraisms that you can't simply put together so easily. So Rashi says one way, and Elohim says another way. could mean uh, dwelling. Gor Yogo could be fear. It could be a lot of different things, right? I'm looking here. In Living Nachtiga, one minute, people will fear no one but me. And uh, they may gather to attack you, but it'll not be for me. 
You see, you know, Lagur, like Megaris, a, a, a dove. The Hebrew is ambiguous. Maybe it has multi-meanings. I don't think so, but, you know, Hebrew is ambiguous, but it's something good. The simplest uh, meaning of it, and this is what I'm going to share with you, is very interesting. And it raises the following question, in my opinion, which I never get tired of saying is the only thing I have to offer. Here's the question I raise. In the time of Mashiach, after the Gogamogo or something like that, will there still be anti-Semitism? Hmm, interesting question. You say, oh no, a Claudius roll. Really? Will people, the people's word be happy with the uh, chosen people idea and all the rest? Of you? Is that true? No, I don't know. We're not there yet. Could be yes, could be no. But it seems like no. There still will be anti-Semitism. The only thing is they won't be able to do anything. That's, in my opinion, what he's saying over here. They may gather to attack you, but it won't work because I didn't send them. See, we believe, this is going to, what I'm going to say is going to trouble people. We believe that anything that happens to Claudius Roll as such is providential. If that's the case, God sent Hitler to kill the Jews. That doesn't excuse Hitler, obviously, from what he did to the Jews, but the fact that God let it happen is a certain way of saying he sent this to punish or whatever whatever his idea was for the Jews. I don't know. Nobody knows. They're, they're guessers, but you know they don't know. But um, what it means like this, Hitler, Hitler could not have Hatzlocha if God didn't set it up. And anyone, if you study his career, you know, there are a lot of improbable uh, things that happened for him to come to power in a normal country like Germany and then to attain that kind of crazy power, absolute dictatorship, and then eventually to, to concentrate that power on industrial killing of all the Jews, six million. Same thing in other countries as well. And then in other times, you know, God did not uh, allow that to develop its way. Uh, there's a famous example, Stalin, um, this is what they say anyway, Stalin was planning to kill the Jews, well guess what, he got a stroke. <laughs> Didn't happen. They can want to attack you, but if it doesn't come from me, it's not going to work. Right? It's not going to work. Whoever comes to fight you will fall because of you, or will fall on you. It's The Hebrew is so hard. Right? Will fall into your power, into your hands. You know, this one is the Matsudos, this is one is the Rebelezer, this one is the Redak, and so forth. All we know is that there will be people who will dislike Kalithrol, but they'll be helpless to do anything about it because of Hashem, right? And he goes on to say, Baruch I made, God says, I know what I'm talking about, because I made the weapons. If there was an A-bomb, I allowed it to happen. So God had a desire for whatever his reason is, and I can't figure it out, that the uh, Jewish scientists working for America in World War II, in Manhattan Project, should put together an A-bomb. Wait a minute, listen closely to what I'm about to say. And working on it very hard. And everything should finally happen, and it should be ready to drop right after Germany surrendered. Isn't that weird? Like in July of, of 45. And Germany surrendered in May. So they never got to use it on Nazi Germany. Wait a minute. The whole reason these scientists worked Yom Abelayla was to use it on Nazi Germany. Nemesis, says, if you know your American history, the American scientists didn't feel comfortable dropping on Japan. Truman did, which I think was the right thing to do. But um, 
what do you call it? The leading one in Germany. And why did your point? It's so screwy. Here they worked, worked, worked. And everything finally came together. Tafka right after Germany. I mean, that's the Yad Hashem. Hing gor yagor efes miyosi. Anuchi brasi charish. Nofech beish pechem. Mosi kli maseu. I got him, the one who creates the smith, who blows the, the coals and the forge and makes the weapons. In other words, if it's meant to be an A-bomb, or a hatchet, or a musket, or a, a gatling gun, or a howitzer, or a 75 or an 88, you know what I'm saying. Anything that there's a time that God says, now I want this to happen. Otherwise it wouldn't happen. And so it's very, very interesting trying to work backwards like the prophet here. They say, why did God want this weapon to come into use this time in this place? And he says, since I, Hashem, and the one who caused all the weapons to um, to appear, so when I allow them to be created, I'm not exactly sure how he describes this because I'm not a philosopher. But Hashem makes it that the scientists should figure out how to do it and the technicians should figure out how to industrially make it at a certain time in history. Like I said, the pistol came around whenever the pistol came around. Before that was a, you know what I mean, um, not the, what am I thinking of? The revolver came around. Before that, was a, it was a, just a pistol, you know, with one bullet, one ball. And so I sh the prophet here says something quite remarkable. I, God, say that when the time comes, you'll be impervious, and I'm putting a tanai in any country that makes a weapon, and Hashem may have an idea to make a weapon. You know, might have an idea to make a weapon. Uh, but it's a tanai in there, and the tanai is, uh, it won't work against Kal Yisrael. Kol Kli Yisraelach, Lo Yisrael. I'm the one who made the weapons, and I say, Kol Kli Yisrael, very, very famous posse. This is in the Davidka Square. Kol Kli Yisraelach, any Kli, any weapon that's made against you, Lo Yisrael. So in other words, it won't work when they use it against Kal Yisrael. And any rhetorical strategy. Right now, we're being subjected to a torrent, a torrent of anti-Semitic language on the internet and elsewhere, all those kind of places. And the governments can't stop it and aren't even trying. And it has consequences. And zillions of people can be converted to hate the Jews they never even met a Jew. I'm just telling you what you know already. And uh, if somebody gets up and makes a whole anti-Semitic thing, they get lots of hits on the internet, don't they? On that world. Uh, you know, whatever they call it, Facebook, I don't know. Now, here he's saying, not only call Kli Yitzchak, but any language formed against you, right? Tarshi will, will, not, will not succeed. That, to me, is fascinating. That is the history of fashion. There are times when you say certain words and it just electrifies and charges up people. And other times it has no effect. You understand? There are times when someone says the Jews are such and such and everybody gets riled up. And other times people say the same words and it doesn't get riled up. So there are historical, sociological, economic, and other explanations for that. And there certainly are. But our hero today, Yeshayahu, is looking for divine purpose. When God so wants it, the most effective arguments against the Jews or any other group simply will fall like water, you know, on a rock, you know, on deaf ears. 
It's not something that the public gets hooped up about. And at other times, uh, even some dumb uh, charge or accusation gets a huge uh, play. Right? Gets a huge play. And the prophet is saying over here, in this famous uh, thing, Haftarah, called Kli Yitzchak, the weapons won't work, and the language won't work. We say this in the uh, what am I thinking of? Avinu Malkinu. You know, Hafer Atzas Avinu, Sesom Pias Mastigin Madriginu, you know, all those languages over here. Right? Hafer Atzas Avinu, you know what I'm talking about. Right? Zos Nachas Abitzikam Elishi. So it sounds like there will be wars, but the sign that you're in the Messianic era or something like that is that the usual stuff won't work. The usual stuff won't work. So, for example, right now, they happen to be in a moment in which you say Israel's an apartheid state, Palestinian rights, and so on and so forth. It gets attraction. There is traction to that. There should be, there shouldn't be, but there is traction to that. On the campuses, in the media, in the culture, the literature. And then there are other times where people say this stuff and just don't go anywhere. So, if you're Jewish, you say, that's the Yad Hashem. You're, you're depending on the Yad Hashem not only to protect you against physical violence, but against verbal violence, because verbal violence in the history of the Jewish people has often led to physical violence. Okay? Matter of fact, the demonization is almost like it prepares the ground for extermination. And that is the famous thing we always see in the Haftar. I know, I mean, in the Haggadah Shalpesah. I know you've heard this. It's impossible you didn't hear it. What's that by It should be by Correct? If you know your Hebrew, by Unless you say, by means they made us into Ra. That is to say, they demonized us. And that prepared the ground for the public to say, okay, let's enslave them, torture them, crush the babies in, in the bricks, and all the rest of it. Because they, by they had already been um, told in an effective way. The Jews are bad news, and whoever, when any bad thing you do to a Jew, you're actually doing a chesed, a, a positive act. Obviously, this was the case in Nazi Germany, in uh, Christian Europe in the old days, in Russia, now by the Arabs. Uh, think, for example, as I'm just sitting here, do you remember this? I'm sure you remember this. In the last Gaza war, and maybe two wars ago, the, uh, the Hamas and the others, they put out these videos, right? It's not only the physical fighting, shooting the rockets, all that other junk, but they put out these videos, which are supposed to be very vicious, but they have all different types. They have other ones as well. The one we have about called Kliyutz or Eliyah, any weapon formed against you, is fascinating because it sounds like there will be weapons formed against you. It says that God won't allow them to happen. You know, the bomb won't go off, or it won't be Matzliach. As I said before, Chalosh and Tarshi. A different kind of rhetoric, which usually resonates. God is promising over here, the prophet is promising that the rhetoric will not resonate if it won't affect anybody. Which is just, a, it's all, you know, Leif Sarm Biyad Hashem, Leif Ha'umus Biyad Hashem. Now, uh, it's interesting because I remember there's a famous Medrash. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, at the end of uh, Medrash Rabban Esther, where there's supposed to be recorded a conversation between Hadrian and Yeshua about this pussy. Uh, I'll case here. Now you got to understand, uh, a lot of times in the rabbinic literature, when they say it was Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, or Hadrian, 
Lav Davka was them. Could have been some Roman big shot. Or the other hand, it is possible. I repeat, it is possible. It was Hadrian. If you know uh, uh, Adriano's case, Hadrian at certain points was peripatetic. He moved around his empire and visited a lot of places all the time. And he was in Palestine, Roman Palestine. And it is conceivable that he personally had interviews with Rabbi Shua, being the J- big Jewish guy. So when, and later on, of course, he exterminated the Bar Kokhba rebellion. He was a real mamzer and a half, one of the great villains in Jewish history, the Emperor Hadrian. I did a lecture series on him and the Jews, oh, I don't know how many years ago. I don't know if it's up yet on my um, YouTube site, but uh, if you, it'll be there one of these days. I remember it had a yellow cover for the uh, advertisement. Maybe it was called Jews and Romans. Anyhow, listen to this. There's a Medish Rabbah, it's a Chazal. It says, Adrianus, um, case of Armelo Rabbi Yeshua. That Hadrian, or some Roman big shot, said to Rabbi Yeshua, Gedol hi'akir so'shem menes ben shim zebin. Gedol, how remarkable is this lamb which is thrown among 70 wolves. This is a famous metaphor for the improbable survival of Jewish people, helpless, as they always are throughout history, in a world that's hostile to them. The famous marshal that we all are familiar with is Seb Pizurb and Shivim Zabin. If you took a, a sheep, a shepsaw, and you tossed it live into a corral full of 70 wolves, what are the chances that this sheep would survive? <laughs> Not good chances. Uh, and yet, as we all know, the Jewish people like this were tossed into the gullus, and there's a bunch of wolves. No, they don't like the sheep. They don't like Claudius Thrall. Nevertheless, the nation survives. So what's the shot? Right? Meaning uh, that Hadrian, or let's let's assume it was Hadrian, just for the heck of it, even if it was maybe a governor, but let's say it was Hadrian. To the Roman emperor, who was a mamzer and a half, they saying, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, all these people in the Roman Empire, they got the Jews. And a great deal is made of the, a great, you know, um, effort is made about the Jewish problem. How do you guys manage to survive? Why am I not killing you? <laughs> you know? How can you make it through the Roman Empire and the other empire and the other empire? And you have no power. Uh, and maybe, um, by the way, you know, Rabbi Shul, like I told you the other day, he's the one who said, don't rebel against Rome. He gave the Aesop fable, remember, with the stork that stuck his head in the mouth of the lion. So maybe the emperor was favoring him with an interview. I don't know. Uh, he said, what's the shot? Now, the truth of the matter is, this is like a medrash in Tehillim. These are all famous medrashim, for those who know about it. And it's connected together, in my opinion, because it says in chapter 12, where it says, mm-hmm. It says, mm-hmm. Hadrian made his bones right ass. With what zechus does this nation of Jews survive? So here we have some in Roman Empire, um, right? Roman Empire, and uh, they were they were all powerful at that time. The Jews were a small, helpless minority scattered throughout the Roman Empire. The Jews hated the Romans. The Romans hated the Jews. They're a claw for natural reasons, and uh, and yet they're not dying. Uh, listen closely. When the Beis Hamidrash was being destroyed in the year seventy, on Tisha B'av, when Beitar was being destroyed by the Romans, in time by Kochwa, and so many were being killed and slaughtered, Ad Kadekach that they see they built a wall 
of corpses. Remember that uh, that Medrash? Atova uh, makes him. He built a wall of corpses somewhere around Hadrian's vineyard somewhere. Um, at the same time, synagogues were operating and prospering in Rome and elsewhere in the Roman Empire. In other words, the persecution of the Jews was pretty local. It was an Eretz role. This boggles the mind. It could be like a show in Baltimore, and elsewhere it could be a Horbin happening. And, you know, meanwhile, you have a bar mitzvah in the show that week. If you think I'm, what I'm saying is crazy, I'll ask you the following questions. Were there bar mitzvahs, shavar brachas, weddings, and all this kind of stuff in the years 1940 to 1945? It boggles the mind, but it's true. Now, the same day, we're over there in Poland. People were being burned alive, gassed alive by the tens of thousands of Jews, men, women, and children. Elsewhere, in places like Baltimore and New York and Chicago and wherever else, and to be perfectly honest, in Switzerland and so forth, people were having, you know, chumash parties, shabbat uh, brachas, bar mitzvahs, and all the rest of it. Right? So how is it possible in one place like this, one place like that? The answer is it is possible. You see? Now, Hadrian was saying, how do these people survive? Uh, what's close, what, what quality is there? What is the Jewish survival strategy? You guys must be very clever to figure out a way to survive as a distinct group, not assimilating these uh, wide variety of challenging circumstances. I mean, that's, that's just interesting. You understand? And the answer he gave, to me, is very remarkable. This is Rabbi Shua, and I don't think the average person would get it. So I'll start again. Adriana's case on Rabbi Yeshua, Gedolia Kivsa, how remarkable is this keves, this lamb, which is able to survive among 70 wolves. On Merlot, the rabbi answered the emperor, No, how great is the shepherd who protects it, who is a matzil who saves it, and breaks the bad guys in front of him. Notice, makes it survive. And the pasuk Rabbi Shua quoted the Roman emperor was, now, on the face of it, it's a frummy dummy answer. Oh, it's all Hashem, you know. Okay, I mean, you can, no question you can learn it like that. But I understand it differently. The emperor was looking for a historical, political explanation. What is the, the, the smartness of the Jews? That enables them to survive so many different regimes. What is it you got? What what political wisdom, survival wisdom have you? Has your group evolved already two thousand years ago to be able to 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 preserve their identity and uh, physical safety to some degree in such hostile environments? People don't like you. And he said, "Oh no, it's Hashem." What it means, I think, is as follows: that Yeshua was answering him. We're not that smart. <laughs> Actually, the Jews are not so clever. And every once in a while, we make very dumb mistakes, more than once in a while. To be perfectly honest, if you look at how the Jews behaved in the 30s, all the rest of it, they wasn't smart. I'm sorry to say. And look at the Jews today, it's not smart. I'm sorry to say. But it's Hashem. In other words, we can't say in the political sense. Because we're not very good at in politics. We sometimes boast and think we are, 
but really not. You understand? The shepherd sends it. If the sheep, so let's put it this way. You throw the sheep in, you see, isn't it remarkable how the sheep survived? In other words, it sounds like the sheep was exceptionally clever. As soon as the sheep landed, it said like this. Oh, first thing I'm going to do is uh, sit, get one wolf to fight the others. Then they'll all fight the others and not bother with me. Something like that. I'm just making it up. No, the sheep was a dumb, stupid sheep. It fell in. The shepherd, Hashem, sucking a stick. And every time a wolf wanted to come in, he, he, he hit him, he showed him, he broke him, hit him with the stick or something, something along those lines. In other words, the survival of the sheep is strictly due to divine providence. The Jews, on their own, ain't that clever, and we're actually pretty dumb. Um, as can be proven today by the fact that as we speak, I'm sorry to say, as a hundred times, the Jewish people, especially in the lands of the West, where there's no persecution, are in an advanced state of decay and um, uh, what's the word? disintegration, intermarriage, and all the rest of it, that is falling apart. So we're not good at taking advantage just from group survival point of view of the political possibilities of living, let's say, for example, in America. We have the opportunity to uh, obey the law and you know, being good citizens. You have the opportunity to preserve your group of identity, marry whoever you want. We're just not good at that throughout our history. So, uh, he clearly, Yeshua was saying like this, which I think is such an interesting pussy. Uh When Hashem wants it, uh, things that sometimes work, don't work. And things that sometimes don't work, work. And if you want to see the Yad Hashem in history, or in contemporary events, again, it's just my opinion. You want to see the Yad Hashem in contemporary events, you look at the improbable. You get it? You look at the nutty, the improbable. You say, this is Minashimai, why? What is God doing? But it's definitely a divine intervention. It could be, uh, you know, a civil war breaking out in some Arab country, some improbable guy like Donald Trump becoming president. It could be a, a, a economic business. It could be the corona. I don't know what the effects are. It could be the corona. It could be anything. But the way you look at it is called Kli Yitzchak these are very famous passages from Isaiah and Halavai, we ain't there yet by the way, I wish it was the case that, you know all the stuff aimed against us doesn't work uh, but in the sense of, of destruction you know, Hitler wouldn't have, under, in my opinion I don't think Hitler wouldn't have undertaken to kill the 6 million Jews unless he had convinced himself that he's going to succeed in wiping out all the Jews and if you know about the Vanze Conference and all that, they had lists drawn up in America and other countries as well. In his crazed world, he imagined somehow he's going to conquer the Allies. It's like, I could develop this thesis, but now's not the time to do that. And somehow or other, he or his ideas would prevail. Um, if he knew that he's only been going to kill, kill, kill a third or a half of Claudius, probably wouldn't bother because there's no point. Right, what's the point? Just go down. Somebody killed a lot of Jews. If you get rid of them, Oh, you call call a mace at least Nasa Roche. If you just cause some trouble, then you know not. So anyway, these are a couple of ideas that I think are very salient. If you look in the Haftorah today, I think I've gone too long. Uh so I'll conclude with uh everybody having a good vacation I, I imagine in August. L is around the corner obviously. 
and uh, let us indeed hope. That would be good. Once again, I want to thank Dyson Stats and all their other sponsors. And uh, with that, I wish you all a good job. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com